Today is November the 25th. Today, we see that God loves a cheerful giver. Reading through the Bible in a year today, I'd like you to read 2 Corinthians chapters 7 through chapter 9. Now, in this passage, Paul finishes off his defense of his apostleship in chapter 7. Starting in chapter 8, he has the second purpose for the letter. He was getting ready to return to Jerusalem, and he wanted an offering to carry to the Jerusalem church. Now, this offering was because the prophet Agabus predicted a great famine in Jerusalem. The famine was so severe that it, we actually have chronicles of it in uh, texts from the Roman Empire. Uh, they talk about the great famine. So we can date this letter as immediately prior to that famine. In chapters 8 and 9, he begins talking about giving, generosity. He talks about how the Corinthian church has received and how now they need to give. But he says, don't give because I'm asking you to give. Give of your own heart. And in chapter 9, verse 7, he says, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. Don't give reluctantly in response to pressure. God loves a person who gives cheerfully famous passage, frequently quoted, uh, very true. Enjoy today as you read 2 Corinthians 7 through 9. 2 Corinthians 7 through 9, New Living Translation, 2 Corinthians 7. Because we have these promises, dear friends, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile our body or spirit. Let us work towards complete holiness because we fear God. Please open your hearts to us. We have not done wrong to anyone, nor led anyone astray, nor taken advantage of anyone. Am I saying this to condemn you? I said before that you are our hearts, and we live or die together with you. I have the highest confidence in you, and I take great pride in you. You have greatly encouraged me and made me happy despite all our troubles. When we arrived in Macedonia, there was no rest for us. We faced conflict from every direction, with battles on the outside and fear on the inside. But God, who encourages those who are discouraged, encouraged us by the arrival of Titus. His presence was a joy, and so was the news he brought of the encouragement he received from you. When he told us how much you longed to see me, and how sorry you are for what happened, and how loyal you are to me, I was filled with joy. I am not sorry that I sent that severe letter to you, though I was sorry at first, for I know it was painful to you for a little while. Now I am glad I sent it, not because it hurt you, but because the pain caused you to repent and change your ways. It was the kind of sorrow God wants his people to have. So you are not harmed by us in any way. 
For the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. There's no regret for this kind of sorrow, but worldly sorrow which lacks repentance results in spiritual death. Just see what this godly sorrow has produced in you. Such earnestness, such concern to clear yourselves, such indignation, such alarm, such longing to see me, such zeal, and such a readiness to punish wrong. You showed that you have done everything necessary to make things right. My purpose, then, was not to write about who did the wrong or who was wronged. I wrote to you so that in the sight of God you could see for yourselves how loyal you are to us. We have been greatly encouraged by this. In addition to our own encouragement, we are especially delighted to see how happy Titus was about the way all of you welcomed him and set his mind at ease. I had told him how proud I was of you, and you didn't disappoint me. I have always told you the truth, and now my boasting to Titus has also proved true. Now he cares for you more than ever, when he remembers the way all of you obeyed him and welcomed him in such fear and deep respect. I am very happy now, because I have complete confidence in you. 2 Corinthians 8 Now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. They are being tested by many troubles, and they are very poor, but they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity, for I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more, and they did it of their own free will. They begged us again and again for the privilege in sharing the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. They even did more than we had hoped, for their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us, just as God wanted them to do. So we have urged Titus, who encouraged your giving in the first place, to return to you and encourage you to finish this ministry of giving. Since you excel in so many ways, in your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love from us, I want you to excel also in this gracious act of giving. I am not commanding you to do this, but I am testing how genuine your love is by comparing it with the eager of the other churches. You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty he could make you rich. Here is my advice. It would be good for you to finish what you started a year ago. Last year you were the first who wanted to give, and you were the first to begin doing it. Now you should finish what you started. Let the eagerness you show in the beginning be matched by your giving. Give in proportion to what you have. Whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly. And give according to what you have, not what you don't have. Of course, I don't mean your giving should make life easy for others and hard for yourselves. I only mean that there should be some equality. Right now, you have plenty and can help those who are in need. Later, they will have plenty and can share with you when you need it. In this way, things will be equal. As the scripture says, Those who gathered a lot have nothing left over, and those who gathered only a little had enough. But thank God, he has given Titus the same enthusiasm for you that I have. Titus welcomed your request that he visit you again. In fact, he himself was very eager to go see you. We are also sending another brother with Titus, 
all of the churches praise him as a preacher of the good news. He was appointed by the church to accompany us as we take the offering to Jerusalem, a service that glorifies the Lord and shows our eagerness to help. We are traveling together to guard against any criticism for the way we are handling this generous gift. We are careful to be honorable before the Lord, but we also want everyone else to see that we are honorable. We are also sending them with another of our brothers, who has proven himself many times and has shown on many occasions how eager he is. He is now even more enthusiastic because of his great confidence in you. If anyone asks about Titus, say he is my partner who works with me to help you. And the brothers with him have been sent by the churches, and they bring honor to Christ. So show them your love and prove to all the churches that our boasting about you is justified. 2 Corinthians 9 I really don't need to write to you about this ministry of giving for the believers in Jerusalem, for I know how eager you are to help, and I have been boasting to the churches in Macedonia that you and Greece were ready to send an offering a year ago. In fact, it was your enthusiasm that stirred up many of the Macedonian believers to begin giving, but I am sending these brothers to be sure you really are ready. As I have been telling them, and that your money is all collected, I don't want to be wrong in my boasting about you. We would be embarrassed, not to mention your own embarrassment, if some Macedonian believers came with me and found that you weren't ready to offer all I had told them. So I thought I should send these brothers ahead of me to make sure the gift you promised is ready, but I want it to be a willing gift, not one given grudgingly. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your own hearts how much to give, and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully, and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scripture says, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and the bread to eat, and then the bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide an increase. He will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So, two good things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met, and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. As a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God. For your generosity to them and to all believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ, and they will pray for you with deep affection because of the overflowing grace God has given to you. Thank God for this gift, too wonderful for words. Scripture reading by Emily Arena. Like, follow, and subscribe to this devotional on whatever platform you use to listen to it. Email your questions to us at questions at becomehope.com. If you live in the Greenwood, Indiana area, and you're looking for a church, we'd love to see you at New Hope Church. We meet on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. I look forward to seeing you there tomorrow.